0: Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Offering God's blessings to someone should never be taken lightly, even if it's after a sneeze. Our culture still gives without a second thought An offering of God's blessings after a sneeze. God bless you, even to those we don't know. You can be out and about in the public and sneeze. And before you know it, you receive two or three blessings on the spot. Bless you, they say. And it doesn't cost you a dime. And those with a cold or allergies get blessed many times over. Beyond this, we don't hear the word blessed very often. In the Bible, God is blessing people all over the place. God's very first blessing came on the fifth day of creation. After creating birds and fish, Genesis tells us that God blessed them with the promise that they would multiply. And later God blessed Abram, saying, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And then God sent him packing. We hear, so Abram left. As the Lord had told him, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and he, they set out for the land of Canaan. God blessed Abram again and again. And in going from Genesis to the other end of the Bible in Revelation, there are these blessings recorded there. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. And blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life. The original New Testament word used for blessed is makorai. One of the front ends of that word is mak, as we think of the word makro, meaning to make large or long. And in this connection, it means to be fully satisfied. The term refers to the joy that comes from salvation. In Psalm 51:12 declares, "Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me." It is the word Jesus used. Here in his famous Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. To bless someone is to extend or make greater that which you have by joyfully giving it to another person. Jesus' Beatitudes are not wishes, He isn't saying, May you be poor in spirit, or may you hunger and thirst after righteousness. Rather, Jesus' words are descriptions of his disciples as how they will live and witness in the kingdom. More than that, the Beatitudes are exclamations and celebrations of those who will follow Jesus. It's as if Jesus is saying, now blessed are the meek, that is, seeing yourself as you really are, evidenced in your submission to God and his word, or how blessed are the peacemakers, that is, you as a believer who has experienced the peace of God that passes all understanding and who brings that peace to your fellow human beings. Let's take a quick look at three of Jesus' blessings that stand out for us. The first is, blessed are the poor in spirit. That is, we recognize our spiritual helplessness. And for that, the kingdom of heaven is ours. We come this day, poor in spirit, those who are humble. That is, we come with nothing to offer God, but our sins and our needs. We come just as we are, without one plea. Shortly before Martin Luther died, a scrap of paper with several scribblings in his own handwriting, was found in his pocket. Among the notes to himself was this, this is true, we are all beggars. To us, cross-eyed sinners, cross-marked sinners, You might remember, and maybe you can because you were an infant most likely, you were marked by the pastor with a cross, both upon your forehead and upon your heart, to mark you as one who has been redeemed by Christ the crucified. And it means that this very day, the kingdom comes with all of its grace and forgiveness that we need to be blessed. Only Jesus can give this blessing because only Jesus ushered in the kingdom of heaven by emptying himself and taking on the form of a suffering servant in our place. He earned this blessing for us by becoming poor in spirit in our place. As Paul records to the church in Philippi, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Yes, he humbly took himself all the way to the cross to be crucified. And there he preached his greater sermon on another mount called Golgotha, the place of the skull. A second blessing, which we want to consider, comes with Jesus' second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, that is, those who sorrow for their sins and the sins of others, for they shall be comforted. We are blessed to have a godly grief over our sins. The Apostle Paul Spells this out for us in 2 Corinthians 7:10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Godly grief or sorrow is God-centered repentance over wickedness of sin, and under the blessing of divine grace, whereas worldly grief or sorrow is self-centered over the painful consequences of one's own sin. You may recall a few times in your life when maybe you deeply disappointed your parents. No doubt you can remember the look on their face or maybe What they said, the sadness you felt inside was profound. And some people never get over that sadness. And the same is true many times over in our relationship with our heavenly father. Sin is not objective or neutral. It is deeply relational and personal. And when we sin, we deeply disappoint our loving heavenly father And it leaves us sad. And it's this godly grief combined with our faith which brings us to repentance. Remember the prodigal or the wayward son who finally came to his senses and repented with a sorrowful heart and was willing to return to his father's house as a servant. His father wouldn't have it at all that way. And so he ran to meet his returning son. He embraced him. He again ordered a celebration for his son, who was lost, but now has been found. In sorrow, we too repentantly turn from our sin to face the cross of our crucified Lord Jesus Christ. And we are forgiven. That's the measure of God's love for you and for me. Martin Luther tells us in the small catechism that our baptism indicates that the old Adam should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and a new man should daily emerge to live before God in righteousness. At our weekly worship time, each Lord's Day, we are invited to a supper of celebration hosted by Jesus who says, Take, eat my body, take, drink my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Here again, only Jesus can give and and comfort what we need He came from the comfort of his father's forgiveness because Jesus brought our forgiveness with his own life. And he didn't disappoint his father. He was perfectly obedient to carrying out the will of his father. He took our sins upon himself. He became sin for us that we might have the righteousness of God in him. And he died the death that we deserve. That's why Jesus is the only one who can comfort us in our godly grief over sin. A third blessing for our consideration is when Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That is to say, the hungering ones who are satisfied with God's righteous nourishment Continually, Our hunger and thirst for righteousness reveal in us a deep desire to be right with God and right with one another. In the best-selling book back in 2008 and the film 2017, Same Kind of Difference, Same Kind of Different as Me same kind of different as me. A once homeless individual named Denver Moore says, there's nothing I learned when I was homeless. Our limitation is God's opportunity. And when you get all the way to the end of your rope, and there ain't nothing you can do, that's when God takes over. And so it is with our yearning for righteousness. We will always reach the end of our rope. The righteousness we seek is only a righteousness that God can give. And it does not come cheap. It costs the life of Jesus Christ crucified on the cross for you and for me. We call it amazing grace. We know the acronym there. G, God's, R, righteousness, A, at, C, Christ's, E, expense. That's amazing grace. God's righteousness at Christ's expense. In the cross of Christ I glory, towering o'er, the wrecks of time and this is a righteousness of the heart which we receive through faith in him and his perfect righteousness becomes ours as we place our trust in him from his righteousness flows all of our right decisions all of our right relationships and all of our right actions and we are satisfied and blessed in Christ. As we continue our journey of faith through life, as believers in and followers of our Lord Jesus Christ, we will look different from the rest of humanity. Our Christ-like humility, our godly grief, and our righteousness of faith mark us as unique. And in these blessings of Christ, we can look at each other and say, you are the same kind of different as me. In Jesus' name, amen.